You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening. Thanks for joining us. Many Chinese Canadian businesses have been adversely impacted by misinformation and hysteria about COVID-19. The owners of many restaurants and shops have noticed a significant drop in business since the worldwide outbreak. Well, now one Richmond mall is trying to do something about it by countering falsehoods with facts. Julia Foy has our top story. 21-year-old Walter Young is helping out at his parents' store in Aberdeen Centre because they had to lay off one of their salespeople. Since the outbreak, people just don't come out like they used to, really impacting small businesses like us. Retailers have noticed a major drop in traffic and there's concern that fake news about COVID-19 is to blame. There's a lot of uncertainties and a lot of like rumors like flying around in social media. So I think it's very important like uh, for us in the medical community to come out and clarify some of the on Friday, the BC Provincial Health Services Authority released six new videos in Cantonese to help educate people about the facts related to COVID-19. It's important to tell people um, to bust some of those myths, to share some good information, um, share information on what we're doing so people are well informed um, and, uh, and hopefully reassured. Dr. Duar joined five other medical experts at Aberdeen Centre's Saturday afternoon for a public information session. So that you don't have like a false information or something that, you know, online clouded your judgment. The biggest myth experts want to bust is that the COVID-19 virus can be spread through the air. It's very important that we, you know, emphasize that this is a disease that's mainly spread by droplets. At this point, there's really no indication that this is airborne. Doctors say your best defense is wash your hands, cough into your sleeve and stay home if you are sick. Otherwise, don't be afraid to get out. It's safe to be out in malls. It's safe to be eating in restaurants. That's a message this business hopes you'll take to heart. When business gets slow, our livelihood is sort of at stake. Julia Foy, Global News. A Canadian who reported feeling unwell after being on board a coronavirus-stricken ship off the coast of Japan has tested negative for the illness. The person was among a group of 129 Canadians and their families who returned to Canada yesterday. They've spent the last two weeks confined to their cabins on board the Diamond Princess, and they've just now started another two-week quarantine at the NAV Centre in Cornwall, Ontario. In Abbotsford on Saturday morning, a small group of protesters taking a stand near but not on the train tracks. I apologize. The intro to this story is about the blockades that are at the center of the uh, conflicts that are taking place. Another one in Abbotsford today. In Abbotsford on Saturday morning, a small group of protesters taking a stand near but not on the train tracks. We've had it with poisoning the planet for profit. The Supreme Court has recognized that this is not Canadian land where we are attempting to forcibly enter and build a pipeline. And we think that's very wrong. A show of solidarity for the hereditary chiefs who oppose the pipeline, sending a message to the RCMP. 
along with hundreds in Toronto, marching through the streets a day after Prime Minister Justin Trudeau called for the blockades to come down, signaling a change in tone. The Wet'suwet'en hereditary chiefs opposing the natural gas pipeline in northern BC say police must leave and coastal gas links cease construction before that will happen. Mounties say they've relocated their base to the Houston detachment and have temporarily closed a community safety office. The chiefs were in Quebec visiting Mohawk communities who stood with them in solidarity. On Friday, hereditary chief Namox told Global News Trudeau's words were, quote, unfortunate. There was no violence. We always said that. And now it is uninformed statements. We need to look after each other. And that meeting, it will happen but not on Monday. Namox was referring to a proposed meeting with federal ministers. But in a statement, Indigenous Relations Minister Carolyn Bennett's office says she spoke with the hereditary chiefs yesterday. And at that time, a date for a meeting had not been confirmed. We are still working with the chiefs, they say, to determine a time and date that works for them for an in-person meeting. I appreciate what they're doing. It's uh, it's needed. And so for now, the blockade on train tracks running through Mohawk territory in Ontario remains in place. One business owner mounting a one-man counter-protest, saying the blockade could soon affect his bottom line. I basically see lawbreakers. If you want to express your opinion about something, it's important that you express your opinion just the way I'm doing it without inconveniencing anybody else. Nadia Stirk, Global News. Coastal GasLink has been told by the provincial government to further consult with members of the Wet'suwet'en who will be directly affected by the construction of that natural gas pipeline through their lands. The province's Environmental Assessment Office has given the company and the Utstoten clan 30 days to hold additional talks before Coastal GasLink resubmits a final report on the area. But the Environment Ministry says the company is still allowed to continue pre-construction work already underway while the consultations are being held. A serious crash has caused major delays on Highway 1 west of Revelstoke. Traffic has been backed up along the highway near Three Valley Gap. A fiery crash involving a truck this morning closed the highway for most of the day. It has since reopened, but travelers are being warned of major congestion between Sycamus and Revelstoke. The only road to and from Tofino will remain closed to traffic until tomorrow morning. Highway 4 at Kennedy Hill was closed at 11 o'clock this morning for permanent slope repairs at the temporary bridge site. Last month, the highway was damaged during road work when a scheduled blast caused a large volume of rock to fall. The corridor will reopen to single lane alternating traffic at 11 o'clock tomorrow morning. The province says the improvement project, set to be finished later this year, will create a safer route between Port Alberni and the West Coast. A Vancouver bike shop gutted by fire in late 2018 has been out of business for more than 13 months. The owner says he wants to get back to work, but as Kristen Robinson reports, instead, he says he's about to lose everything. For more than a year, Enrique Verti has been shut out of his livelihood. We can't believe it. We've been out of business for 14 months. In December 2018, his West End bike shop gutted after an alley fire spread into the Denman Street building. Bikes and Blades rentals, one of the business tenants that hasn't reopened, despite efforts to get repairs done. We don't have more savings. Uh, we don't have more money left. We need to go back to work, like, now. 
Laverti says it will take four to six weeks to repair the water and fire damage, but his landlord hasn't been able to secure permits. Missing another summer, he says, will force his business into bankruptcy. We need to get back before summertime, you know, for us to make enough money to survive for the winter. The city says it received an initial permit application last November, but it was inconsistent with the building's approved use. An amended application was received early last month, but the city says it underrepresented the scale of the work involved. It's working with the architect to amend the permit application and says given the extensive damage, we want to ensure the safety of the building before it is permitted to reopen. Unforeseen circumstances that, that happen like that, how do we fast track to get that business through that and get them back in business as soon as we can? Two years ago, the city hired more staff to deal with a backlog of building permit applications. Councillor Sarah Kirby-Young says timelines still the top complaint from businesses. It impacts our small businesses the most. We need help. Like the big guys, like they, are, they will be there always, but we're not going to be here always. We're the small people. Verti hoping bikes and blades, seen here bustling in 2013, will be back this summer. Kristen Robinson, Global News. In Kelowna, RCMP have made an arrest in the stabbing death of a teenager more than six months ago. We want answers. We want, we want to know what happened. That was Robin Beauregard speaking about his son Elijah shortly after his son was killed last summer. The 16-year-old boy was living on the streets for three months when on June 27th he was stabbed on the corner of Water Street and Bernard Avenue. He died from his injuries a few days later. Today, RCMP announced that an 18-year-old female has been arrested in connection to Elijah's death. Her name is under a publication ban. She remains in custody and will make a court appearance on Monday. It's been 10 years since the mass culling of sled dogs near Whistler sparked worldwide outrage and demonstrators are renewing calls to end commercial dog sledding. This rally in Whistler Village, one of seven demonstrations across the country today. Participants want legislation against an industry they say puts profits ahead of the well-being of animals. They allege sled dogs are often chained outside when not working and culled with rifles at the end of the season. A decade ago, 100 dogs were shot to death, their bodies dumped in a mass grave near Pemberton. Tourists don't see the cruelty, right? They just see um, happy dogs pulling sleds, but they don't see where these dogs live and where they live is not okay. Why are animals here? Are they here for us to use for our own purposes or are they here to live in the same way that I'm here to live? And that's really our only intention, is to get people to ask themselves that question. The Canadian Coalition for Sled Dogs supports ethically managed sled dog touring companies and says it works to ensure every sled dog is humanely cared for and protected by advocating for nationwide codes of conduct and stringent standards. Firefighters in the district of North Vancouver responded to a dramatic accident this afternoon. Somehow, seven vehicles ended up in a chain reaction crash on Highway 1 southbound on the cut. There's no word that anyone was hurt, but it took some time to investigate the cause of the crash and clear away the vehicles to the Keith Road off-ramp. Traffic was backed up as a result. Well, for most of us, gas under a dollar a litre is a fond but distant memory. But for people in Penticton... 
it's reality. A gas war has broken out in the Okanagan community, and tonight there are at least six stations selling fuel for under a buck a liter. No official reason why Penticton is home to BC's cheapest gas, but drivers aren't complaining. Great, I thought Christmas had gone by, but I guess it's come back around. Best deal ever. I've taken my wife's car down here to get it filled up. She's in, uh, she went to Las Vegas, and I'll get it filled up now. Awesome. They can stay at 99.9. You are looking at a live shot of the Olympic cauldron at Jackpool Plaza that was relit just a short time ago, marking 10 years since Vancouver welcomed the world for the 2010 Olympic and Paralympic Games. The relighting, a culmination of day-long events at the, at the plaza celebrating the Olympic spirit. Earlier in the day, a fan festival was held where people could meet Olympic and Paralympic athletes, watch sport demonstrations and live performances, and of course, take in other family activities. Many are reliving the iconic moments from a decade ago that brought the country and the world together. I also remember standing in the start gate. We were up at Cypress Mountain, and it was really eerie and quiet, but then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, we could hear the crowd from the bottom cheer because there's a Canadian coming up in the next heat. The girl that ended up winning the contest came up to me and was like, I love it when you drop in. And I was like, what are you talking about? She's like, the crowd goes wild. And I was like, no, they do that for everyone. And then all the finalists turned to me and were like, no, only for you. <laughs> and so just like watching Canada come together like that to cheer on Team Canada was all time. Five North Shore teens got some well-deserved national attention today for their brave efforts on Grouse Mountain last winter, an event that went viral. Jill Bennett has more on the latest recognition they received for helping to save a life. But I saw it on, on, uh, on, on TV and I thought, wow, this is really cool. What Governor General Julie Payette saw on TV was this. Oh, that's crazy. That is insane. A dramatic rescue on Gross Mountain a year ago. Five teens are seen in the video running to help a small child dangling from the chairlift. And the coin is, uh, is a government general coin and it's given to individuals for uh, appreciation. Each teen was given a coin inspired by the military tradition of challenge coins. They are given to Canadians at the Governor General's discretion for remarkable acts or service to others. What does it feel like being here today and, and getting recognized for that? Um, it's definitely cool. I think, it's a new experience. I think it's really good being like recognized by so many people that you can look up to. Something good on my resume. <laughs> Following the rescue last year, the video and the story of how the five teens jumped into action, grabbing some nearby out-of-bounds netting, then coaching the terrified child to let go and fall to safety, got international attention. After the short ceremony Saturday, they were happy to answer a few more questions. Did you ask what happened in the chair? How come he met? How come the kid slipped? Do we they, know? They said that he didn't um, get on uh, on the chair properly, so he was uh, just held up by the bar. And then when it got high enough, he sort of slipped. But then his dad caught him, and his dad was just holding on to him. The five, who have been friends since they were six and seven years old, were given mountain passes during an earlier recognition in North Vancouver. They've been skiing three times a week together all winter, but so far haven't been involved in any more rescues. Thank you again. Uh, Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Nice to meet you. I'm very proud of you. It's really nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too. And you go after your dreams, whatever it is. Okay? Jill Bennett, Global News. <laughs> 
More than 100 high school teams from the Lower Mainland are battling it out in a high-stakes engineering challenge. The annual VEX Robotics Competition brings science, technology, engineering, and mathematics to life. Students are challenged to build a robot and compete against one another for a chance to win the provincial championships. Not only do these students learn real-life problem-solving skills, many of them are also closing the STEM gender gap. Fewer than 20% of people employed in science-related fields, including tech, engineering, and math, are women. I think it can be off-putting at first, but if you've been in it for a while like we have, we're used to it and it doesn't really seem to affect us very much. And as girls, like we sort of feed off their energy because some of the teams are really energetic and we're like, yeah, this is awesome, let's yeah, go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Personally, for me as the driver, it doesn't make much of a difference. That's just me though. Um, I like competing with really anyone who's like able to you know, give me a challenge. It's, it's just really fun regardless of who I'm competing with. Victoria City councillors will decide next week on heritage designation for the former Times Colonist newspaper building. The postmodern Victoria Press building in the 2600 block of Douglas Street was purchased by Merchant House Capital in 2017. It has applied to designate the 1971 exterior as a municipal heritage site. The developer plans a $27 million renovation to turn the 130,000-square-foot newsprint and office facility into mixed-use office space. Merchant House is seeking a 10-year tax exemption from the city to assist with the seismic house upgrades. The Times Colonist will remain a tenant of the project. We have some breaking news. Vancouver police are looking for a high-risk sex offender who cut off his electronic monitoring bracelet and disappeared last night. Take a look. Christian Olson is 38 years old, about 5 foot 8 and 245 pounds. He has brown hair and brown eyes. He was last seen wearing all black clothing and carrying a black backpack with red straps. Police say he left his residence on the downtown east side shortly after midnight and hasn't been seen since. Olson is supposed to obey 27 court-ordered conditions. If you know where he is or if you have seen him, please call 911. Sorrow filled Edmonton City Hall today as a tribute was held for the victims aboard Ukrainian Airlines Flight 752. It has been 45 days since the devastating crash, but as Nicole Stilger reports, emotions are still as raw as ever. No parent should bury their child. You were not only a daughter to your parents, you were their whole world. Powerful tributes ring through City Hall for the victims of the Iranian plane crash. Hedram and Moshgan, you were the duo that lit up everyone's life. More than six weeks later, family and friends still coming to terms with the immeasurable grief. Every time I see an image or a picture of them, I can't hold my tears. I just, it's, it's not possible to accept such a catastrophe. Elnaz and I were supposed to be in Vancouver for the Reading Week. That is this week. But now I'm here in her memorial. Javad Soleimani lost his wife Elnaz in the crash. He says he had to identify her body. All bodies were burned and crushed except her hand from here to here, from her wrist to fingertips. Ukrainian Airlines Flight 752 was shot down by Iranian missiles on January 8th. 176 people were on board, including 57 Canadians. Many were students and academics returning to Canada after a December break. 13 of the victims were from Edmonton. They include a doctor, her two daughters, two U of A professors, their children, and a number of students. 
It wasn't long before support for the grieving Iranian community started to pour in. A piece of that now lives on in this book of condolence, gifted on behalf of the city to the Iranian Heritage Society of Edmonton. I don't know how I would describe this, what means to me. This means humanity. But among the sorrow, feelings of anger. Soleimani says he, like many others, want answers. We will never forget. We will never forgive. We want justice. We know that it's going to be a time-consuming process, complaining to court, but please do it as soon as possible. Until then, they cherish memories and take comfort in the support from Canadians. Nicole Stilger, Global News. Cases of COVID-19 are multiplying around the world in countries where travel bans to and from China have been in effect. 28 countries are now reporting cases. The Center for Global Infectious Disease Analysis in London, which collaborates with the World Health Organization on modeling to contain the disease, estimates two-thirds of COVID-19 cases from China have remained undetected worldwide. Right now, there are more than 77,000 confirmed cases. 1,500 of those are in countries outside of China. More than 2,000 people have died, mostly in China. But there is concern sources of human-to-human -human transmission are going unchecked, which will lead to a spike in cases. Chinese officials tonight say they've beaten back the coronavirus, that the country's forced containment of millions is working that factories are getting back up to speed, food supplies improving. One 17-day-old treated and discharged from hospital yesterday. But China has revised how it counts those infected repeatedly. And the coronavirus is quickly spreading outside of mainland China. In South Korea, the number of cases is growing by the hundreds each day. Most cases linked to a church group local Christians describe as a secretive cult. Cities closed, food being hauled up to hospital patients. New fatalities as far away as Italy and Iran. In Hong Kong, an entire sprawling public housing complex has been converted into a quarantine center. Police making sure no one goes in or out. But if I look at this building, and there are only 100 people in there, it's pretty clear yeah, yeah. that they're expecting more cases. Yeah. A local council member told me the Hong Kong government isn't telling residents how many will go in the complex or what's being done to protect the community. Virus victims have become a political hot potato, often subjected to repeated quarantines. Richard Engel, NBC News, Hong Kong. Three people were killed and 18 others injured in a bus crash in Southern California this morning. Officials say a charter-style bus was southbound on the interstate near San Diego when it lost control and went over the side of an embankment landing on its roof. Three people were confirmed dead at the scene. 18 others were transferred to various hospitals. The bus driver suffered minor injuries. The cause of the crash is under investigation, but it was raining at the time. Well, you likely wouldn't believe this unless you saw it. Have a look. Police in England released closed-circuit video showing a truck driver making a dangerous U-turn onto a highway. The truck can be seen driving the wrong way along an exit ramp before making the risky maneuver straight into oncoming traffic. The incident occurred during rush hour. Police say the truck driver was sentenced to six months in jail and disqualified from driving for 15 months. And have a look at this emergency crews in Washington, D.C., pulling off a daring rescue this morning. First responders had to climb to the top of a crane to get to an operator who had seriously injured his leg. 
Rescuers made the 70-meter trek above ground, treated and stabilized the patient before lowering him down in a basket. His injuries are said to be non-life-threatening. Customs agents come across some pretty strange items, but American border officials were still taken aback with what they found in a shipment from Toronto last week. U.S. Customs and Border Protection agents found a human brain packed inside a glass mason jar in a Canada Post shipment. The brain was packaged with bubble wrap and what appeared to be a paper towel, but without any supporting documentation. The only description of the package, which was headed to a city in Wisconsin, was that it contained, quote, a unique teaching specimen. The organ has been put into quarantine while the agency investigates. In Health Matters, the Governor General is highlighting the work of first responders in Vancouver who are on the front lines of the opioid crisis. This morning, Julie Payette met with Vancouver firefighters and coastal health workers who form the combined overdose response team. The BC Coroner's Service says since 2016, more than 5,000 people in BC have died of drug overdoses. What I see is that we are doing exactly the right thing about it, is to work all together. It's not just a first respondent, it's not just a revival, it's not just a health, it's also a society, it's, it's a, a social work, and, uh, and seeing the community together is where we're going to find solutions and diminish uh, the hardship. More confirmation that getting an education can help you live longer. Researchers at Yale University tracked more than 5,000 adults from their 20s to their mid-50s. While they found death rates show racial differences, education was a stronger predictor of lifespan. About 5% of college graduates died within the study period, compared to 13% of those with a high school education or less. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. Why an almond farmer in Southern California says these beautiful blossoms are drawing the wrong kind of attention. We're going to have that for you right after Yvonne's forecast. But first, Prince Charles met with those devastated by Storm Dennis in Wales. The Prince of Wales offered his support to those who are recovering from historic flooding. Many had to be physically rescued when the water began pouring into their homes last week. More than 1,000 homes and businesses were inundated. The storm also prompted states of emergency to be declared across the UK. The damage is estimated to cost more than $43 million. And Yvonne, we saw a little bit of rain, but it cleared up just in time for this. Yeah, it's perfect. Just at Jackpool Plaza, we've got so many celebrations uh, for the anniversary of the 2010 Olympics. And this is a fantastic shot. The crowds that are out there this evening enjoying it. Temperatures are sitting at six. We do have dry conditions. There is some rain on our doorstep. We'll have the timeline in just a moment. We've got a light southwesterly wind at nine kilometers per hour. Here's a look at what we are seeing. So the moisture is already starting to push in for a few spots across the island. It is going to intensify the heaviest rain overnight and for the morning hours. And this next Next weather maker is going to bring very windy conditions for all areas across the coast. So wet and windy and inland. If you're traveling in towards the interior, many of the mountain passes, we do have a significant amount of snow. So here's the timeline and what we're seeing. So the rain is going to pick up, intensify overnight. Higher elevations will be looking at snow. Snow continues through the day for the interior and into the early half of Monday. 10, potentially to 25 millimeters are the amounts that we're seeing as we get in towards the afternoon tomorrow. And the winds, we do have the potential sustained 
sustained winds at 40, but we could see some gusts up to 70 kilometers per hour. It'll be windy all the way in towards the afternoon and evening and then potentially easing off late evening and overnight. Here's a glance at some of the numbers that we're anticipating. The snow is a big concern along the mountain passes, the connector 5 and up to 10 centimeters. Whistler for the Sea to Sky, 10 and up to 15. It'll be similar for the Rogers Pass. Allison Pass could get closer to 20 centimeters and a snowfall warning is in effect that Sokokohala from Hope to Merritt as well as the Kootenai Pass with 15 and up to 25 centimeters and that snow for the Kootenai Pass and the Coquihalla will really start to ease off on Monday. So a heads up, a significant amount of snow with this next weather maker that is pushing in. Do check in with Drive BC for the latest on the road conditions if you're heading out tomorrow. The piece, the northeastern corner is a dry day. We are going to see very chilly temperatures. The wind chill starting off at minus 12 and then bumping up to minus 4 by the afternoon. Areas near Whitehorse will see the wind chill closer to minus 16. That should say minus 16. And the snow starts to develop for the afternoon. A nice break in the action will be on Monday before it picks up once again on Tuesday. Northern half of the province, very wet and windy. It'll start off as snow, 2 and up to 4 centimeters. Change over to rain. It'll be similar inland for terrace and likely stay as flurries for most areas closer to Smithers and then rain developing Monday night and leading into Tuesday. Caribou and Central Interior snow developing two and up to four centimeters. A bright spot will be on Monday and the Columbian Kootenai five and up to ten centimeters. Many areas will see the snow changing over to rain with temperatures warming up for the afternoon. Tops in Okanagan two and up to four centimeters also seeing that transition over to rain. Snow level rising to around 800 meters towards the afternoon. A break in the action will be on Monday with a partly cloudy sky and just a slight chance to see an isolated flurry. Whistler snowfall changing over to rain as well, up to two degrees for tomorrow. For areas near the, near the village, it'll be fantastic for the, for the mountains. A partly cloudy sky will be on Monday. Very windy for all areas across the island, especially for closer to the water, 15 up to 70 kilometers per hour. So we're seeing rainfall, but the winds will be a concern tomorrow. Gusts potentially up to 70 kilometers. Round off the weekend on a blustery note, and the sunshine kicks in just for the beginning of the week. On Monday, we're back into a mix of sun and cloud and a bit unsettled later on in the week. Colleen? All right. Thanks so much, Yvonne. Well, cherry blossoms are just starting to bloom in Metro Vancouver, and the explosion on social media posts will soon follow. In California, it's not cherry, but almond trees that have tourists vying for that perfect shot. And that's a problem. The trees on almond orchards are in full bloom, and they are spectacular. But one farmer says selfie seekers by the hundreds are venturing onto his property to take pictures. Matt Cooley says people have damaged water lines, left trash behind, and have even gotten stuck on his property. Cooley says he's most upset about the lack of respect. It is private property. It gets back to, you know, I don't get to go to your house and open the door and walk in and say, hey, what's for dinner? Part of me is like, yeah, it is pretty. I get it. But stay out of the field. <laughs> it's private property. They don't understand that either. You know, it's, it's tough. Well, Cooley <laughs> says his almond trees are almost fl- finished blooming, but cut this. He says it's nearing sunflower season when the problem's going to start <laughs> all over mm. again. So it's, it's a lack of selfie respect is what you're saying. Oh, where's the rim shot yeah. when we need it? Nicely done. Thanks, Barry. And it's hard with the concentration because Yvonne's got the elevated She's seat. She's got the big, t- the big girl chair. I'm not this tall, so She's like nothing is real four. on television. Don't yeah, right now it seems that way, you. but the, the chair is low kicking it. We'll so just enjoy it. I'm while living you can. my tall dream. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. You said there's what? Up for grabs? A million dollar um, 50 50 raffle. Right. Up for grabs. So get your tickets now. Yeah, you can if buy them. If either online. of us win, we won't be back at a No. <laughs> 
Thanks, Colleen. The uh, Canucks take on the NHL's number one team tonight at Rogers Arena. The Boston Bruins first overall with 90 points. They are certainly a contender to get back to the Stanley Cup final again after losing Game 7 at home to St. Louis last year. The Canucks lost 4-0 in Boston a few weeks ago in a game the Bruins dominated. That's also the game Elias Pettersson took a late hit from defenseman Matt Grizzlick. We'll see if the Canucks go after him tonight, but the Bruins are a relentless team, and Vancouver will have its hands full despite the fact Boston playing its third road game in four nights. You kind of learn a lot from a team like that. They've, they've been through it all. Most guys have been all the way. And, you know, last year they almost did it again. So um, they definitely know how to win over there. And, um, you know, even if you're up against them, you can't take them lightly because uh, they can change the tide pretty quickly. Just a solid group, solid core. That uh, they, they play hard, they play well. And, and uh, right now they're obviously rolling. So it's a, it's a good test for us. And, uh, played them last time and, and uh, um, didn't love the way we played. And, and definitely uh, good, it was a bit of a learning lesson for us of what it takes to, to kind of be an elite team. And, uh, here we are a few weeks later playing them again. So uh, we'll be ready to uh, hopefully have a bit of a response. Behind the net, Kuznetsov. Shot by Ovechkin. He scores! Alexander Ovechkin! It is hockey history in Miller. That's career goal number 700 for one of the great players of all time. That happened this afternoon against the Devils. Eighth player to reach the 700-goal milestone. Only guys to score more than OV right now. Mike Gartner, Phil Esposito, Marcel Dion, Brett Hull, Yarmir Yager, Gordie Howe, and Wayne Gretzky. Ovechkin now 194 behind Gretzky's all-time record of 894. The only bad news, his team lost 3-2. Also tonight, Arizona Coyotes in that chase group in the West hosting Tampa. Arizona just two points behind the Canucks, but they played four more games than Vancouver. Tough task tonight against the Lightning, who've been lights out lately, but it's a bit of a wild game. Clayton Keller scores there. 4-3 Arizona right now, late second. Jets and Flyers earlier from Winnipeg. Just a point back of the Canucks are the Jets, but they have played two more games. Jets down 3-0 at one point in this game, but they battle back. Patrick Lyonnais with a rocket one-timer. His 26th of the year cuts the flyer lead to 3-2, but Philly gets the insurance goal. Perfect face-off play. Tyler Pitlick with the redirection. 4-2, Flyers win, so the Jets stay at 69 points. All right, here's the Hurricanes and Leafs. Both teams 72 points right on the edge of the Eastern playoff chase. But the story of this game is quite unbelievable. It starts when Peter Morazic, the Canes goalie, has a huge collision with Kyle Clifford. Morazic takes a heavy hit, forced to leave the game with a head injury. They'd already lost starter James Reimer to an injury, so that means the emergency goalie is required. One in every rink for this exact situation. 42-year-old David Ayers played Junior B many years ago. He's the Leafs practice goalie, the Marley Zamboni driver, but he's in net in a playoff race at Scotiabank Arena on Saturday night. That's got to be surreal. It didn't start well for him. First shot he faced from John Tavares goes in. And that made it 4-2. And then moments later, a point shot by the Leafs will hit a leg in front. And Pierre Engvall cashes the rebound. Two shots, two goals. And Kane's coach Rod Brindamore not believing his team's luck happened to go with the Zamboni driver during a playoff race. But Ayers did some neat things. First of all, he got a shot on goal from his own end of the ice on Freddie Anderson. And then a very good save here off of Zach Hyman of the Leafs. Six saves to that point, And the Canes have been diving in front of shots and scoring. And they lead 6-3 in the third. 
All right, Vancouver Giants at home last night to the Calgary Hitmen. Giants going for their franchise record, tying 11th straight win. They trailed 5-2 after two, but they mount a furious comeback. How about Bowen Byram snapping one in from the sharp angle? That made it 5-3. Then it was 5-4, and then they'll tie it. Connor Horning, nice feed out front to Justin Surtaf, who taps it in. It's 5-5. And they weren't done yet on the breakaway. It's Surtaf one more time, and he will go top shelf. For the hat trick, 6-5 the final. They go for a 12th consecutive win tonight in Everett. Scotty's curling from Moose Jaw, the 3-4 playoff game. Winner to the semis, loser out. It's Ontario against Northern Ontario. Rachel Homan of Ontario has won the Scotty's before with a fantastic shot to score three in the ninth. Goes up 7-5. Krista McCarville with a chance in the tenth to tie it. Well, a real slim chance. Very difficult raise takeout here, and it ain't going to happen. Ontario wins 9-5, so they advance to tomorrow's semifinal. Northern Ontario is eliminated. Meanwhile, an all-Manitoba matchup in the 1-2 playoff game. The winner goes straight to the championship game. Loser gets another shot in the semis. Six-time winner Jennifer Jones, the wildcard team this week, taking on Manitoba champion Kerry Anerson in the sixth. Anerson with a nice gentle takeout there to score two. And right now it's 5-3 for Anerson's Manitoba rink in the ninth. Welcome back. The BC Winter Games being held this weekend in Fort St. John are all about developing young athletes who might one day represent Canada at an Olympics or World Championship. There is no shortage of incredibly talented youth in our province. And Paul Hasem caught up with a couple of them today in Fort St. John. A little northern exposure this week at the BC Winter Games in Fort St. John. More than 1,200 athletes that will be leaving here tomorrow, hopefully with some medals, some memories, and a lot of stories to tell. Throw a stone around Fort St. John and you will find the stories of the games. <laughs> stories of family, like these girls representing North Delta and District 5 for curling. My two twin daughters, Emily and Kate. Uh, Emily is our skip and Kate is our lead. And then I have my two nieces, my brother's two daughters, uh, Taylor and uh, Morgan. Twin sisters with their cousins, hoping cooler heads prevail. I mean, it's fun, of course, but yeah, there's always been like a couple times it gets a little intense just <laughs> between sisters, of course, but, but yeah, it's, it's always good. From ice to water, you'll find stories of perseverance, like diver William Millard from North Vancouver, who broke his C2 vertebrae back in June. So he was put in a neck collar to heal for six weeks, and then another two weeks after, we had to have it on and off. And it was really, really difficult because he couldn't move, he couldn't go to school for three weeks, he couldn't do any sports. His goal was to get better and compete at the BC Winter Games. And this weekend... He won gold. Yeah, it felt amazing because I was working, I've been working so hard to get up to this point and I guess all my hard work paid off. And most importantly, stories of community. Mayor Lori Ackerman celebrating others while welcoming the province to the north. I've always said in the north you live together or you die together, the choice is yours. It's about celebrating the community, it's about showcasing this region and everything that we have to offer. And Mayor Ackerman offering some advice to the athletes this week, saying be like the weather and pay no mind to any criticism. Reporting from Fort St. John, Paul Hasem, Global News. 
All right, thanks, Paul. Tennis from Marseille, France. Montreal's Felix Auger-Aliassime into the semifinals against French veteran Gilles Simon. First set on serve. Felix with a big forehand. Leads to the put-away at net. Tied at two. Simon raced ahead 5-2 in the set. But then Felix roars back. Won the next five games. Nice touch here for the drop shot. Took that opening set 7-5. And then in the second set, another well-crafted point for the 19-year-old. Another smashing week for Felix. Off to his second straight final. Fifth of his career. Still looking for the first win. Take it on the Greek Stefanos Sissipa, who has beaten uh, Felix has beaten him twice in three career meetings. Third round of the WGC Mexico from Mexico City. Second round leader Bryson DeChambeau off to a great start. Second hole tee shot. That's a 379-yard par four. And he drives the green. Now, they are at altitude. You get 15 to 20 percent extra distance, but made a two, an eagle on the par four. But he did have three bogeys on the back. He's at 11 under now, four off the lead. John Rahm, the Spaniard, had an incredible day. Six birdies on the front. And then how about this on the par three, 17th, one hop and in for the ace. Shot a course record, 10 under 61. And he moved into a tie for fourth with DeChambeau at 11 under. Got to love making the holes in one. Patrick Reed making a run, birdie putt at 14. He is at 14 under, just one off the lead, and they're all chasing Justin Thomas. He leads the FedEx Cup standings. Thomas on 17 with the 14-footer for birdie. Six under 65, he leads at 15 under. Corey Connors, the only Canadian in the field, is at minus three. Here's a look at your snow report for tonight. 11 new centimeters in the last 24 hours for Whistler Blackcomb. Grouse 16, Cypress 14, and 6 for Sasquatch. Manning Park, a base of 192, 291 for Fernie, and Kicking Horse 185. Two new centimeters for Big White, 9 for Silver Star, 7 for Sun Peaks, and Apex 3. Mount Washington, 2 new centimeters, Whitewater, a base of 286, and 5 new centimeters for Powder King. Rumors are true. It's happening. The cast of Friends is reuniting for an unscripted two-hour special. HBO has confirmed the episode will be featured on its new streaming service, HBO Max. The original cast will return to the Friends soundstage on the Warner Brothers studio in Burbank. Sources say each will be paid $2.5 million. HBO will use the special to kickstart HBO Max when it launches in May. It reportedly paid $425 million for the rights to rerun the show for five years. Wow. And remember when we didn't want to watch reruns? It's not bad. Two and, and a half million do. for two hours work. And now people Can't are wait. paying for a streaming service so they can watch reruns. Interesting. Interesting. Thanks for joining us tonight. We want to leave you with a shot of the Olympic Cauldron at Jackpool Plaza. Good night. <laughs>